realism in film is something that we take for granted today, as it's all over the place. If you look at movies made in the modern time, apart from those big blockbusters anyway, realism is never too far away. Whether that's subjects like This Sporting Life from the 60s, Raging Bull from the 80s, or more modern There Will Be Blood from the 2000s, people love seeing real life play out in the form of movies. This was not always the case, though. In fact, many people point to our subject today as the start of realism in film, or at least the popularization of it. It's one of the best American films ever made, according to AFI, and I happen to agree with them. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a bottle of Yard's Washington Porter from our friends at Yard's Brewery here in Philadelphia. So sit back relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. about a film that I love, and one that is masterfully done. On the Waterfront follows an ex-professional boxer named Terry Malloy. Terry works for the mob and lives in an apartment in New York City. In his spare time, he cares for pigeons that he keeps on the roof of his building. After unknowingly assisting in a murder, and seeing the injustice caused by the corruption of the mob he works under, Terry must decide how to move forward. Does he continue turning a blind eye and be a good soldier for the mob? Or does he stand with those who need him the most to make a difference? Terry is a low-level member of the mob that controls a longshoreman's union in the New York City Harbor. Terry, as a mob member, gets regular work at the dock loading cargo onto ships, and in some cases, gets paid while reading magazines as easy work. This is in no small part due to the influence of his brother, Charlie the Gent, played by Rob Steiger. The mob boss, Johnny Friendly, played by Lee J. Cobb, has a soft spot for Terry and also helps him when he can. It isn't until he blows the whistle on an acquaintance, Joey Doyle, that the ropes that bind these three men together start to come loose. The moral compass of this film is, without a doubt, Father Barry, played by Carl Malden. He's a priest who, upon seeing his parishioners being cheated at the docks, pleads with them to make a stand. 
With the longshoremen being, as they say, D&D, or deaf and dumb, it's an uphill battle to accomplish this goal. The mob selects who they want to work and when. People are selected by receiving what looks to be a small coin, and only a certain number of slots can be filled each day. Every morning, longshoremen line up at the docks for work, and every day a large portion of them are turned away, with a lot of the slots going to mob members. There's a scene where the longshoremen get restless about not getting work and begin pressuring the man handing out the coins. The man gets frightened and throws the coins over the heads of the crowd. This leads to a mad scramble with the longshoremen vying for the remaining slots. Johnny Friendly, who hears about the union speaking with the priest, assigns Terry to sit in on their meetings as an inside man for the mob and report back to him. Hearing of everything they have to say, Terry begins to sympathize with the men. He also develops feelings for a practicing nun and sister of the man he whistled on, Edie Doyle, played by Eva Marie Saint. The question becomes, what will Terry do? Will he stand with the men against the mob? Or stand against them with his brother? On the Waterfront was directed by Ilya Kazan and was released in 1954. Kazan, who graduated from Yale with an MFA in drama, started his career directing and acting in plays, most of them in New York City. Among these were works written by Tennessee Williams and Arthur Miller. In the 1930s, he started directing documentary films and shadowed the great John Ford to learn more about directing. So in 1941, when he was called upon to direct his first feature film in Hollywood, he was ready. After achieving a successful debut with A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, in 1947, he won his first Academy Award for Best Director. He would win the award for the second and last time in 1954 with our subject today. On the Waterfront includes a number of talented performers, including Marlon Brando, Lee J. Cobb, Eva Marie Saint, and Carl Malden, all of whom turn in fantastic performances. The film centers around themes of labor injustice, corruption, and standing up for what you believe in. There's a great snippet of dialogue where Terry and Father Barry are speaking about testifying against Johnny Friendly, in which Terry exclaims, If I spill, my life ain't worth a nickel. To which Father Barry retorts, And how much is your soul worth if you don't? It's a question of morality and justice, and it's a question asked of not only the longshoremen and Terry, but also to us as an audience. One of the most famous scenes of the film, which I'll leave for you to discover on your own, is when Terry and his brother Charlie are talking in the backseat of a cab. One of the most famous lines, arguably in all of cinema, is when Terry says, and I will not try to replicate what Brando does here, 
But he exclaims, quote, You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. End quote. It's one of those scenes that has gone down in film lore, and for all the right reasons. Apart from that scene, another one of my favorite sequences is when Father Barry speaks to the longshoreman on a cargo liner. One of the men has just been murdered after the mob coordinates a pallet falling on top of him. The father, who is performing last rites in prayer, begins to speak up. Hoping to spark something in the men, he speaks out against the mob as members of the mob throw things at him in an attempt to quiet him. It begins when somebody yells, Go back to your church, Father. Father Barry begins, Boys, this is my church. And if you don't think Christ is down here on the waterfront, you've got another thing coming. Every morning when the hiring boss blows his whistle, Jesus stands alongside you in the shape of me. He sees why some of you get picked and some of you get passed over. He sees the family man worried about getting the rent and getting food in the house for the wife and kids. He sees you selling your soul to the mob for a day's pay. How does he feel about the fellows who wear $150 suits and diamond rings on your union dues and kickback money? And how does he, who spoke up without fear against every evil, feel about your silence? There's more to that speech, but that part of it always gives me chills. It's in Carl Malden's delivery, his passion, voice, emotions, and mannerisms that really bring it home. Also, the slow-churning rhythm and building of momentum is wonderfully done here as well. The cuts on the faces of those listening, the mob throwing objects down at him, and close-ups of Terry, who is dealing with all of his emotions and thoughts, are exquisite, especially given the graininess of the camera. Another great scene is when Terry speaks with Father Barry about possibly testifying against Johnny Friendly. The two men are outside along an iron fence overlooking the harbor. The father is preaching about Terry's choices, saying, quote, I'm not asking you to do anything. It's your conscience that's got to do the asking. End quote. Terry, reflecting as he looks around, retorts, Quote, conscious, that stuff, that stuff will drive you nuts, end quote. Soon the two men see Edie, and the father suggests that he tell Edie about the night her brother was killed. Taking his advice, Terry meets Edie and confesses. While they speak, a foghorn goes off from a nearby ship, and all we can do to discern what's unfurling before us is watch their body language. Each cut, camera angle, and emote allows the scene to unfold beautifully and is so well done. I always notice New York's skyline in the background of this scene as the Empire State Building is by far the largest building in the distance. 
I always find it interesting knowing what the skyline looks like as opposed to today. The skyline in the background, I learned, was no accident and is a direct result of, well, let's call it a challenge they encountered during pre-production. I saw an interview with Spike Lee during my research, who was good friends with the writer of On the Waterfront, Bud Schilberg. Bud had told Spike that the film was supposed to be filmed in the Red Hook section of Brooklyn, which in the 50s was a major meatpacking district in the city. The mob, who ran that part of town, told Schulberg that if they attempted to film there, that they would kill him, Kazan, and Brando. They opted out of shooting in Red Hook for those very good reasons, and instead moved filming to the docks of Hoboken, New Jersey, and filmed everything on location. That is why the skyline appears as it does in the film. I love On the Waterfront for so many reasons, but the main reason is how I feel watching it. All of the performances are so authentic, and the story is told with such truth that it infects you. I can't help but feel for Terry, Edie, and Father Barry with what they go through. It takes me on a roller coaster ride of emotions, and I always enjoy the thrill of it. So did audience and critics when it was released. In fact, during award season, it was nominated for 12 Oscars and won eight of them, including those for Best Actor, Actress, Picture, and Director. The acting was so outstanding, in fact, that the Best Actor in a Supporting Role category had three performers from On the Waterfront alone as nominees, which included Carl Malden, Lee J. Cobb, and Rob Steiger. This film is legendary for a lot of reasons, and is considered one of the best American films ever made. AFI has named it the eighth spot in the list of top 100 of all time American films. The importance of On the Waterfront also cannot be overstated. Prior to On the Waterfront, Hollywood was completely different in how they approached their subjects. On the Waterfront took a lot of risks at the time, particularly the subject of the story itself, as Kazan opted to shoot a realist film. He wanted to go grassroots and shoot scenes on location as well. If you look at films made before On the Waterfront, there were very few that were so honest and hard-hitting. A small amount of pictures dealt with the problems of ordinary people doing hard labor. Even fewer of those were shot on location, with most of Hollywood films shot in studio. This was because there was no market for it at the time. It was an untapped well. The studios thought nobody wanted to see a movie about men working at the docks. Kazan decided to take the risk and proved everybody wrong when On the Waterfront was released. It grossed major box office dollars and proved to be a hit. Brando also flipped the script on the art of acting itself. The way in which he approached the role as a method actor 
The range of emotions he delivered on and the vulnerability was something very unique for the time. A lot of people, when they think of classic Brando or pre-Godfather Brando, they always think of masculinity and kind of a macho attitude, but it's quite the opposite. If you watch Brando's performances, particularly in On the Waterfront and A Streetcar Named Desire, it's very vulnerable. There's a lot of emotion in his acting. It was quite different for the time. If you look at the generation of actors who came after Brando, like Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, the influence of Brando is almost universal. His improvisational skills were also quite incredible, and one of the scenes in On the Waterfront plays upon this beautifully and is referenced quite a bit. It's when Terry and Edie are walking through a park. Edie is playing with her white gloves, and one of them falls on the ground. Now, normally, actors would stop and they'd restart the scene if it wasn't scripted, as this was not. Brando, however, in character, just bent down, picked up the glove, and started playing with it with his hands, nervously. And it played beautifully into the character of Terry, who, in that moment, would have been very nervous. It's moments like that that are just wonderful to hear about and see play through the screen and know that they were just improv in the moment. If you've never seen an Ilya Kazan film, there's a lot of great material to choose from. Whether that's James Dean in East of Eden, or Marlon Brando in A Streetcar Named Desire. However, I suggest starting with On the Waterfront. It's a great film, and you really can't go wrong. If you'd like to watch On the Waterfront for yourself, you can find it on a variety of streaming services. At the time of this recording, you can find On the Waterfront on the Criterion channel. The Criterion channel has different pricing structures, including $9.99 per month and $99 per year, which is what I chose to do. If you like film, I highly recommend trying it out. You can also find it on Prime Video included with Prime. You can also find it on services like YouTube, Google Play, Apple TV, and Vudu for $2.99 or $3.99 to rent. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, please visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There, you'll find info about the show, including a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, you can also find each episode in written form on our blog page. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema.